0: What's up, guys? Max here with a brand new episode of the Scuttlebutt Show at a little bit of a different time. It's 1400 in California right now, so if you aren't out there listening, I'm sorry I had to change up the schedule this week because, like I said last week, I'm volunteering with the USO this week. If you guys want more information on the show's schedule and any upcoming changes or anything like that, go ahead and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, discord linked in the description of this video or on uh or or on twitter at show and i usually post everything to those sources so those who are out there thank you for tuning in we have a crazy story to cover today um it's monday out here in Okinawa, japan i know it's sunday back in the states i hope you guys wherever you are whatever you're doing i hope you're having a great weekend or had a great weekend and uh i i woke up yesterday to my phone's blowing up um I'm getting this, this like letter, open letter sent to me out of Naval Special Warfare, which by the way is not, it's not like top secret, this is public, this has been posted publicly, um, kind of lambasting the leadership at Naval Special Warfare, and I'm going to be covering that story. We've got a, a story about a colonel or general getting demoted down a colonel, follow up on what happened last week in D.C., uh, some, some disclosures from last week. And then, uh, one more fun story to go over out of Florida, which, you know, anything coming out of Florida is always a little out of control. Uh, so really quick, a couple disclosures are, um, I posted on my Instagram that there was a 737 crash and I said, I'd rather get AIDS and then COVID than set foot on one of these planes where then I was corrected by the audience saying that that was not a 737 max. It was just an old 737, but, um, I'm sorry to the families of all those who were killed in that plane crash. And also, uh, I am just going to go ahead and say, I am probably going to try to avoid flying on a Boeing 737, any type, uh, as best as I can. I'll tell you that right now. What's up, Sify, Justin, yes, this is a total Florida man story. 100%. Um, then, uh, just thank you for everything last week. We talked about uh, a Capitol Police officer getting killed last week, and I said I hadn't heard about that. A Capitol Police officer was killed. He was an Air Force vet. We're going to talk about it today. Um, Saifi lives in Florida, so he's not surprised. Well, even I was a little bit like, I guess nothing surprises me anymore, but I was a little bit uh, taken, taken aback by this one. Let's go ahead. And jump into our first story. If you guys haven't already shared the video, invite your friends to the chat. Let's have a good time. Um, and let's get into the first story right here, which is the general who was, uh, a two-star air force general demoted to Colonel for affair with subordinate. That is a, a double dipper. That is fraternization combined with adultery here because he was married. And we'll talk a little bit about that. So Former Air Force Major General Peter Gersten has been busted down to colonel. By the way, general getting busted down in rank is like a serious action. I mean, you're talking like very, 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 like I remember particularly the admirals in charge of the fleet back in like 05, 06, the Westpac that I was on, the Ronald Reagan strike group, there was this big thing called the Fat Leonard bribery scandal, and it was like millions of dollars exchanged hands in the form of payments and, um, hotels and uh, different like services afforded to these people. When they pulled into port in Singapore, where they traded like preferential treatment to different bidders on contracts in exchange for these luxurious stays and, you know, and, and, and special, uh, you know, gifts and all this. Um, and they all retired as admirals. So the fact that this guy got busted down is kind of crazy. Gersten received an article 15 classic Hit him with the Article 15, classic move. The highest form of non-judicial punishment and retired on January 1st, an Air Force spokeswoman and said... Air Force spokeswoman Ann Stefanik. Investigators also found that Gersten had inappropriate relationships with two other women between 2010 and 2019, according to Oriana Polick of Military.com and Stephen Losey of Air Force Times, who first reported the investigation's findings on Friday. In June 2019, Gersten was fired as head of the Air Force Center at Nellis Air Force Base, Nevada, over an alleged inappropriate relationship. If you guys don't know where Nellis is, is out there in Vegas, and I could see you getting into a little bit of trouble in Vegas. I bet Nellis has some crazy, uh, NJ, like NJP or hearing. We call them captain's mass in the Navy, but, um, I'm not sure what they call it in, in other branches, but I bet they have some total crazy, uh, (laughs) crazy ones out there. I'd love to hear the trouble that people are getting into out there. Investigators determined that he began, um, wait, I'm sorry. Am I getting ahead of myself? Jerson separated from his wife in May, 2017 and the two divorced in December, 2018, according to military.com. Investigators determined that he had began a sexual relationship with another woman while he was still married, which constitutes adultery under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. A lot of people don't realize, or it's even easy to forget, that adultery is technically a crime in accordance with the UCMJ. And the reason that it's easy to forget that is because people do it all the time. It happens all the time. I mean, we're talking... (laughs) I'll, I'll just say... It happens frequently, and uh, it rarely, rarely, rarely ever comes to an actual being charged with adultery case. Um, Eventually, so the woman who was not identified told investigators that she and Gersten began having an affair in July 2018 when the two had sex in distinguished visitor quarters, according to military.com. Eventually word got out. That's the distinguished visitor, if you ask me. Eventually word got out that Gersten and the woman were texting each other lurid images and messages undermining Gersten's ability to lead, Air Force Times reported. I wonder who she, I mean, who was she though? How did it undermine his ability to lead? Having an affair in and of itself um, is not good, Um, but I would imagine that uh, that alone would not undermine his ability to lead, unless it's a loss of confidence in leadership because he had broken uh, UCMJ code, which then makes him look less uh, authoritative to his subordinates. I don't know. Eventually, uh, so, eventually word got out that Gersten and the woman were texting each other alert images and the woman's house was egged and an unknown person left a message on Gersten's vehicle that warned, we know. So that's crazy. So I wonder who was spying on this guy. Sounds like uh, there was some... Some jealousy or or somebody didn't like him. Maybe he, Article 15 somebody, and then they were following him around and found it. I don't know. That's kind of of weird. It's kind of wild. Investigators determined that Gersten had two prior affairs while married, including a relationship with one woman who would reportedly call Gersten after marriage counseling sessions with her now former husband. Gersten graduated from the Air Force Academy in 1989. Oh, man, an academy grad. And had totaled more than 2,800 flight hours, including more than 400 combat hours over Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, and Bosnia. According to his Air Force bio, he has a command pilot rating and has flown the F-16, MQ-1, MQ-9, RQ-170, and F-35. Wow, most recently to F-35. When reached by task and purpose... On Sunday, Gersten provided a brief statement that did not directly address the investigation's findings. I'd like to thank the American people and the Air Force leadership for the opportunity to deploy, fight for, and defend this great nation over 32 years. It has been an honor to serve and sacrifice with some of the most dedicated and amazing men and women this country has to offer. God bless. So that is his final statement to the uh, to the fleet there. What happened here? Hang on a second, guys. What, what's going on? Um, so that is a kind of a crazy story. Let me see. Let me catch up on the chat real quick. Anyone else having a video cutting in now? Ooh, might just be my service. Uh, I hope not guys. Let me know if there's any problem with the video. I am in a different, I'm doing this at a different time. So maybe my internet's not working as good. I, uh, I hope that you guys are getting okay. I'm showing excellent service here. Um, let me know if this is, let me know if it's getting any better, uh, as we go. It's a different time of day. I feel like more people might be on the internet now in the morning and we share bandwidth out here in Okinawa. So I'm hoping I'm uploading. Okay. Um, and you guys can hear me, uh, decently. Um, so Justin, let me know if this gets any better. Carlos says I've seen an EOD tech get NJP'd for it. Crazy. Carlos, crazy. Got with a hooker. Oh my gosh. So what was he NJP for? Was he NJP'd for adultery or for getting with a hooker? Because both of those are illegal. That's a uh, into into that human trafficking stuff. Rachel, hi, Max. I have family in Florida and they sent me this article, crazy stuff. Stream was buffering for a couple seconds, but it's good now. Thank you very much. Okay. So Rachel, uh, Florida, there's always crazy stuff coming out of Florida. Um, and we're going to get to some of that today. It's, uh, it, it should be a fun one. Um, actually it's our next story. So yep. Like I said, uh, sorry if there's something going on with the stream today, um, different time, uh, different internet usage. For example, when my wife and I are trying to watch Netflix in the evenings, uh, we watch it. It looks like we're watching TV in 1983. Um, anytime after 6 p.m., because everybody on our block is doing exactly the same thing, streaming Netflix. Okay, so we do have another story today, and this one comes out of Florida, and it is uh, totally bananas. Um, when I first when this first popped up on my radar, I was like, um, "What is what's the what's the upper limit on stuff coming out of Florida? Like, is there is there any any?" Like, who's writing the script out of Florida? Like, is there any limit to what those people out there in Florida are getting themselves into? Uh, Syfy, I I remember you just a minute ago said you were in Florida. Uh, have you, what's the craziest thing that's ever happened uh, or where you're at? To share one of those stories with me here. Um, so let's go ahead and get to this new story here, which is uh, Florida men arrested for stealing remains of deceased veterans for religious rituals. Florida men arrested for stealing I'll say it. Let me say it again. Florida men arrested for stealing remains of deceased veterans for religious rituals. They chose veterans graves because their religion. Here we go. Demands remains from those who have done something heroic. I wonder if they're going to tell us what religion this is. So look at these two, you know, gentlemen right here, these two highly holy religious gentlemen who are out there grave robbing from veterans. Now we'll see if it was from an actual military cemetery, uh, or just from uh, public cemeteries or private cemeteries outside of a, a national one. But let's see what's going on here. Police have arrested two men for allegedly desecrating the graves of several deceased veterans in a Florida cemetery and stealing their remains for use in religious rituals. Wow. I wonder how many people they have in the religion. Is this a big is this happening everywhere? Like if, if you if this is a religious, you know, cult thing. And this is happening in Florida. I would go see what other people in the same religion are doing elsewhere. Police, uh, Brian Tolentino, 43, and Juan Borgos Lopez, 39, are accused of stealing remains from four separate graves in Mount Dora, Florida, Cemetery. On So Mount Dora, Florida, Cemetery, that sounds like a public cemetery. On December 6th, according to a press release from the Polk County Sheriff's Office. Burgos Lopez was arrested on Wednesday after PCSO detectives searched his Lake Wales home and uncovered a shed with a religious shrine containing seven skulls, four of which Burgos Lopez and Torrentino admitted to removing from the Mount Dora graves. Oh, like people's skulls. Uh, That's creepy. That's super creepy. Oh, man. Seven skulls? Like just probably... I'm picturing like these skulls are... Propped up on, on different tiers of shelves with candles and there's rosaries and crosses maybe and pictures and it's like the room is very red and, you know, maybe they're doing blood. They're, you know, doing some blood sacrifices in there. This is probably as creepy as it gets. The Shed Shrine contained cauldrons filled. Oh, here we go. They're going to tell us what it was. The Shed Shrine contained cauldrons filled with dirt and other items such as bones, sticks, feathers, rocks turtle shells and small animal skulls along with the human skulls. Is anybody else excited for the reboot of Hocus Pocus? I am so looking forward to that. I love the original Hocus Pocus and this sounds like some witchcraft stuff right here. So it just made me think of that. I'm super excited for the next Hocus Pocus 2 and maybe these guys are the inspiration. The suspects told law enforcement that they had used human remains as part of their practice of Palo Mayombe. I wonder if I'm saying that right. Paolo, I know most of you just tune in to watch me try to read. Palo Mayombe, a West African-derived religion that specifically involves the use of human skeletal remains placed within r- ritual cauldrons, according to a March 2015 issue of the Academic Journal of Forensic Scientist International. According to PCSO, the suspects told detectives that they chose veterans' graves due to the fact that the religion demands that the remains are from those who have done something heroic. The remains were identified as Henry Britton, an Army private and Korean War veteran, Albert Carr, an Army sergeant and World War One veteran, and Calvin McNair, a former Marine Corps military policeman who was buried in his dress blues. This is horrible. The suspects also removed the remains of Annie Fan- Faniel, a good Samaritan and caretaker. Burgos Lopez, who owns a store that sells herbs and essential oils. There's that essential oils. St- who, who in the chat sells essential oils? You let me know. Along with items used in Palo rituals, identified himself as Tata or a religious leader and regularly produces YouTube videos discussing different Palo Mayombe rituals. Tolentino is a convicted felon with previous arrest for cocaine possession, drug possession with intent to distribute grand theft, armory, robbery, and, a, and robbery of a bank back in 2000. So this guy's already looking to get, a, to get ahead, to get a couple, um, to, to cheat the system a little bit and get ahead by probably casting spells. Um, bro, it's like the Florida version of Skull and Bones. <laughs> you know what? It's that is uh some some crazy stuff. So I, I feel really bad for the families of the people involved. Um, that means that their loved ones had been uh excavated from their graves, and the guy who was buried in his dress blues, I'm sure that they were already pretty far along deteriorated, but disturbing you know people's resting place that's like really 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 disrespectful and uh and for some people can cause a lot of distress rachel says witchcraft can be prominent in certain cultures yep so this religious uh sect is out of africa where i think they do a lot of um a, a lot of probably tribal stuff and i would assume that they have uh many different sects of different religions and cultures out there that believe in different things and you know they're throwing bones and you see this stuff in movies all the time i think i remember uh what was it predator the movie predator 2 with danny glover which by the way in predator 2 the real predator was danny glover because if you have go back and watch that movie danny glover's just chasing the predator through new york city the entire time totally fearlessly chops off his arm and tries to hit that nuke anyway i'm getting way way off track here um that story is so crazy uh I can't even believe it. And I am actually curious if we'll hear more about different people from the same um, beliefs, if they've been doing this elsewhere, I would, I would go see if other graves have been dug up. And how do you even dig up a grave? Like I've always wondered about this, these grave robbers, how can you go and out there and dig up a grave and take stuff from it? That must take hours, right? Like you can go out there at night and just dig up for hours. Don't these cemeteries have security or cameras or something? And then they've been obviously been doing this a while and then nobody notices a grave dug up, like the ground all disturbed and everything. Like people don't notice that. So I don't know. That's, that's just my two cents on it. I feel like it should be something a little bit easier to catch, but, uh, Hey, it is what it is. Um, so that story was kind of crazy. And now we've got two more stories today. I don't know how long the show is going to go today. I feel like I'm gonna get caught up on the NSW story for a while. So I'm trying to get to it as quickly as possible, but. Uh, I do want to cover last week. Justin had let me know in the chat that uh, a Capitol police officer was beaten to death with a fire extinguisher. Um, I had said I hadn't heard about that. We talked about it later on Instagram. Which, by the way, if you guys DM me on Instagram, I'm pretty quick to respond there usually. Um, But he was correct. Uh, It was a story. Kind of, it had been published and retracted and republished. He had been attacked in the Capitol. He had been beaten with bludgeoned with a fire extinguisher. And he eventually died from his injuries, uh, which is tragic. And he was an Air Force veteran, um, according to the news here, or, you know, National Guard. Um, but uh, I, I want to cover this story because it's really sad. And, um, and more and more stuff's coming out of that. So before I get to the story, more and more stuff is coming out about what happened last week at the Capitol, including there was a, one guy identified as a retired Air Force colonel. Who was there wearing military gear? There was people out there wearing uh, Marine Corps logo stuff. Um, there was people out there saying that they came because Donald Trump told them to. There was people out there uh, showing up with like flexicuffs, and I've heard reported on the news that they, you know, insinuated that there might have been a plot to um, to kidnap and try, you know, do like a, a trial, a citizens' trial um, of some of the uh, politicians. Who? What was it? Rudy Giuliani who said, "Let's go give him a trial by combat," and and the reaction of people after hearing that was so visceral, and you could see people really took that literally, and I, maybe he meant it literally. Um, it, the whole thing was just absolutely a despicable event, um, a real bummer to watch, and uh, and you know, there's just there's just uh, there's I'm not I'm saying I'm trying to in in the strongest possible words condemn everything that happened there, and it's embarrassment to see. Uh, especially the military people who were there going out there using their training to egg on and, and incite what was going on there. Um, Really bad stuff. And the ultimate betrayal here is, well, one of many is that they went and the police officer who was killed was a veteran. So a veteran who was continuing his service by swearing to protect the Capitol And I don't know where he stands politically, you know, who cares? It doesn't matter. He was doing his job that he swore to do. And the people who are out there protesting that they, you know, they love the military, they love President Trump, and they're true Americans go there and kill a veteran. So let me talk about this story really quick because it is uh, really upsetting stuff. So what we've got here is the headline from Military Times. Brian did his job family remembers fallen capital officer, military veteran from his early days, growing up in a new Jersey Hamlet, Brian Sicknick wanted to be a police officer. He enlisted in the national guard six months after graduating high school in 1997, deploying to Saudi Arabia and then Kyrgyzstan joining the national guard was means to joining law enforcement. He said, so he always wanted to be a police officer. He would join the U S Capitol police in 2008 where he served until his death on Thursday. So he died after a little over probably 12 years of service. Um, in the performance of his duties after being attacked as rioters seething over president donald trump's election loss stormed the u.s capitol believing the president's false claims of a rigged election his brother told me brian did his job said john krenzel the mayor of sicknick's hometown of south river new jersey a congressman had asked top military officials that he be buried with honors at arlington national cemetery and i am sure and i hope that he gets his wish there and got a positive early response Sicknick's death has shaken America as it grapples with how an armed mob could storm the halls of the U.S. Capitol as the presidential election results were being certified, certified, sending hundreds of lawmakers, staff, and journalists fleeing for safety. Videos published online show vastly outnumbered Capitol police officers trying in vain to stop surging rioters, though other videos show officers not moving to stop rioters in the building. There, I did see eyewitness accounts of some of the... Uh, rioters who were interviewed on the news. You can find this on YouTube. Um, I think I saw it on CNN was them saying, uh, well, one individual particularly, I just watched it this morning said, uh, you could tell some of the police officers, I'm paraphrasing here. He said, you can tell some of the police officers in there were on our side telling us, Hey, have a good night guys as they left the building. Um, and that is, you know, really horrible. I mean, what what else can you say about it? That's horrible. That's as bad as it gets. Uh, and after, and this is after, rioters outside had bludgeoned. Imagine you're a, a Capitol police officer. You're inside the Capitol building. You're like, hey, you guys got it. You're, you guys are patriots. And outside, they had just murdered one of your coworkers. Wow, that's pretty sickening. I just, I'm I'm like stunned by my own thoughts right now of, of how. Gross, that is. <clears throat> capital, so, as the halls of the U.S. Capitol as a presidential election are being uh, certified, sending hundreds of lawmakers, staff, and journalists fleeing for safety. Videos published online vastly outnumbered Capitol Police officers trying in vain to stop supporting rioters, though other video show officers moving to stop rioters in the building. Police leadership badly miscalculated the threat despite weeks of signals that Wednesday could get violent. Yeah. Uh, they were... I, I, you could easily find stuff of people saying you know, January 6th, we're going, we're going to DC. It's happening. How would you not be prepared for that? It's really bad. And they refused Pentagon help three days before the riot. And again, as the mob descended under withering criticism, the police chief resigned as have the chief security officers for both the U S house and Senate. The Capitol police said in a statement sick was injured while physically engaging with protesters during the struggle. Sick 42 was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. Two law enforcement officials said the officials could not discuss the ongoing investigation publicly and spoke to the associated press, the AP on condition of anonymity. So here he is right here, pictured on the screen for those watching on YouTube. Um, and he looks like a regular guy, maybe in his forties, uh, yeah, this is a bummer. I'm sure he had a family. Representative Alyssa Slotkin, Democrat, Michigan, says she has asked Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff General Mark Miller, Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy, and Air Force Chief of Staff General Charles Q. Brown that Sicknick be buried with posthumous honors at Arlington. Officer Sicknick died in the line of duty as a U.S. Capitol Police officer, but did so living up to the oath he swore in the military to protect and defend the Constitution. She sent her request. She got an encouraging early response from the Army. Um, aren't all honorably discharged veterans eligible for burial at military national cemeteries. Um, correct me if I'm wrong there. The office of the secretary of the army has received requests on behalf of us Capitol police officer, Brian D. Sicknick, a veteran and fully supports the request for posthumous special honors and burial at Arlington. Sicknick was the youngest of three boys growing up in South river, a small borough of about 16,000 people in central New Jersey, 20 miles from Staten Island. He graduated from the Middlesex County vocational and technical school in East Brunswick, New Jersey in June, 97 superintendent, Intendant Diane Vallou said school records show Sicknick wanted to be in law enforcement. The school will honor him by planting an oak tree on campus to symbolize his strength. He enlisted in the New Jersey Air National Guard that December, still a teenager, first deployed to Saudi Arabia in 1999 and 2003 he deployed to play to Kyrgyzstan, so uh, he was probably supporting operations in Iraq and Afghanistan out of there, where the U.S. military operated a transit base supporting the war. In Af- okay, he was honorably discharged in December of that year. After the U.S. invasion of Iraq in 2003, Sicknick became a vocal critic of the war, writing several letters to the editor of a local newspaper that sharply criticized former President George Bush for his management of the effort. You know what's interesting is a lot of people who were critical of the Iraq war early on were called, you know, um, foolish, and that Saddam Hussein has to be overthrown, and they had weapons of mass destruction, only to learn later and be acknowledged by President Bush himself that the war in Iraq was a mistake uh, based off of faulty intel. So what you know, what you'll hear people say is at the time the intelligence seemed correct, but you know, what I think is it, it was, you know, probably known to be intelligence that was manufactured, um, to justify going into Iraq and, uh, and the end result is what we, you know, obviously we all know how that played out. So let me catch up on the chat real quick. Um, Justin says, oh, Rachel, witchcraft prominent Rachel, the military is, not supposed to be politically affiliated with any party. So just to uh, to address that really quick, Rachel, the military is an apolitical organization who has sworn its allegiance to the government. So you swear an oath that you will support the government against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and it does not matter who the president is. It does not matter who the politician is. You swear that you will pledge your loyalty to following the orders of the officers appointed over you, including you know the office of the president of the United States veterans can have many political views of their own. And they do, of course, including Sicknick here, who expressed uh, disdain for what was going on in Iraq with President Bush. And there's a very diverse culture within the military politically. Uh, There's this, you know, stereotype of the military being all, you know, high and right on politics and, you know, hardcore um, gun-toting, you know, freedom-loving patriots. And, And for the most part, freedom, love, and patriot is a good description, but that doesn't mean we're all conservative Republicans. Uh, There's a massive population of Democrats uh, and people who don't align with one political uh, party one way or the other. Um, And then there's a lot of people who totally fit the stereotype too. That's true too. Um, But the military is not supposed to, the military does not, is not supposed to act politically. They follow orders. So whoever the president is, as it goes from Obama to Trump to Biden, the military will follow the orders of the president. That is the, uh, the way that the policies are. Justin said, I read earlier today, one Capitol police took his own life after the event. It's hard to keep track on the evidence and events from that day. Emotionally draining at times. Wow. Um, that's really sad. Uh, but I believe it, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it happens. I'm sure it probably did happen. Um, if they're reporting on it, I, I feel like there's a good likelihood it did happen. Um, And I I saw some other video of a Capitol police officer being crushed in between a door and the door frame as rioters were trying to push through it. And he was just jammed up in there kind of, you know, making, you know, these sounds of being in pain like that. And it was really, uh, really hard to watch. And he was there for a long time, just trapped, um, as people forced their way through. And it really, uh, it, it really, takes away any point that anybody ever had about, you know, loving Leo's and blue lives matter and all this stuff. It really makes you look foolish. Now, if you were chanting that one day and you were a rioter at the Capitol, the next, or you support what happened at the Capitol, the next, um, <clears throat> we, we obviously, uh, see that the hypocrisy in that group is strong. So, um, in a statement issued Friday, sick next family said he wanted to be a police officer entire life and joined the guard as a means to that end. At least he got to live out his dream for as long as he could. I hope he was happy. Um, in his life. A biography issued by his family says Sicknick cared for, rescued Dachshunds in his spare time, and rooted for the New Jersey Devils hockey team. He is survived by his parents, Charles and Gladys Sicknick, his brothers Ken and Craig, and his longtime girlfriend Sandra Garza. Man, it's heartbreaking. That is really heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. The family asked the public to respect his wishes and not making Brian's passing a political issue. I guess they know that that's probably not what he would have wanted. Brian is a hero, and that is what we would like people to remember. Okay, that's the, that's fine. That's what I'm uh, going to go with. On Saturday, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy ordered that the U.S. and New Jersey flags be flown at half-staff at all state buildings facilities in honor of Sicknick, saying he embodied the selfless spirit of his native state. Officer Sicknick gave his life protecting the United States Capitol and by extension our very democracy from violent insurrection, Murphy said. His needless murder at the hands of a mob bent on overthrowing the Constitution he had dedicated his life to upholding is shocking. It is my fervent hope that the rioters whose actions directly contribute to his death are quickly identified and brought to justice, which it does seem like to some extent that is happening because I've seen reports of many people getting arrested who were present that day. Many of the Big figures, the big faces of the event have been arrested. They've been identified. They are publicly out there now. You can kind of see who these people were. The person who carried the the platform out of there, I don't remember what it was called, uh, who carried the podium out, the guy who had his feet up on Lancy Pelosi's desk, the guy in the uh, hat, the, the Viking hat, um, the guys who had shown up with military gear. There was a report of somebody showing up with a rifle and a dozen Molotov cocktails. Just really scary, sickening stuff. Um that shows you people showed up there that day prepared for violence, prepared to be violent. So um I guess uh I guess that's that. Those people showed what they're about, um, which is rebellion, violence, and the word treason is not over overused in this case. Totally. And it's sad stuff. Rachel says the mindset you have to have to beat someone to death for doing their job is mindless. This is so sad. Yeah, it's really sad, Rachel. It's really sad. Um, I can't imagine uh, why this person's not been arrested. There has to have been dozens of witnesses and videotape, and I'm sure it was probably on some, you know tons of cell phone video. Uh, I'm sure. I hope I you know if I don't know how big my outreach is here, but if somebody out there knows something or has some Uh, evidence in this case, I would recommend you send it to law enforcement officials so that they can do their job and bring to justice, the person who's responsible for this man's death. Uh, he was a honorable, he served honorably in the military. He, uh, Wanted to be a police officer his whole life, became a police officer. I support good police officers 100%. He was out there doing his job, and uh, and he was killed in the line of duty. And so I hope that they find a person who did it and give him life in prison or a death penalty or whatever he's going to get, as well as all the other people who are responsible for orchestrating that thing. Um, and that's what I think about it. So I told you guys at the start of this thing, the headline article today is Naval Special Warfare Falling Apart. Uh, I, I My phone blowing up yesterday, blowing up with, uh, this letter. So I I wake up yesterday to this letter in my inbox and it is from, uh, coming from people I used to work with, people I knew, people who go, have you seen this? Um, and it was posted to Reddit just to be clear. Um, I'm not, uh, unveiling some big secret thing. This was posted to Reddit, but let me start with, um, you guys may or may not know this about me. I talk about it sometimes. I served in Naval Special Warfare as what's called a tech, uh, I was in my rate in the Navy was eighty, and I went and did special programs. There's a handful of special programs opportunities out there where you can go work out of rate doing different things. Um, every SEAL team has many rates attached to it, not just SEALs, administrators, medical, um, and 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 other different stuff as well. I can get into all that in another episode. But one of the things that I, so one of those jobs was mine, and I flew drones um, in naval special warfare. And there's an old joke, there's an old meme uh, of people standing, a group of dudes standing around, they've got their sleeves halfway rolled up, and it says, um, I went to Bud's just so I could put my hands in my pockets, you know, because the military has all these crazy uniform regulations. Um, you can't put your hands in your pockets. You have to wear a black backpack over both shoulders. You have to have your hair cut a certain length. It can't be this long, it can't be this much bulk. Uh, your mustache has to be this way. You have to shave. Um, Nothing trendy. Certain types of sunglasses are authorized and not authorized. Um, Max, do you have your FAA Part 107? I don't, Justin. Uh, I should because I do do drone work um, personally, but it was not necessary to do it uh, for what we were doing with our job. If you, I do know a lot about it. I could probably go out there and take the test and pass it because I think the most complicated stuff is weather stuff on that thing. So if anybody has questions about flying drones or FAA Part 107 or anything like that, you can email me at the gmail.com on Discord, on Instagram, wherever at, uh, Scuttlebutt Show. So, um, so, uh, what was I saying? So there's all these uniform regulations in the Navy, the, in, in the whole military, which are widely disregarded among special forces, um, green berets, CCTs, Raiders, Navy SEALs, our Navy SEALs specifically are kind of known for their, uh, their long hair, their long wavy, perfect hair, um, And epic mustaches and uh, long sideburns. I'm hardly one to talk here. Um, I've never been uh, a big fan of following the regulations. I've always had long hair. I always had long sideburns. I can't tell you how many times I've had uh, my sideburns called into question in the military. Again and again and again for me. I've had to go back and shave the whole deal. I was always out of regs for my uh, my sideburns. It was it was a problem. It was. I'll admit. If there was one place I really rebelled in the military, it was uh, it was the long hair and the uh, long sideburns, and you know I don't even know why. I really don't even know why. I just liked it, uh, and it was the way I rolled. Um, always pushing the limits. Anyway, so let me kind of get to what's going on here. So I get this letter sent to me, and I read it, and I, and I go through, and I do some verification. This does turn out to be a real account of the events that happened this is not a spam to Reddit from some anonymous. Well, it is anonymous, but not some random person in their you know mom's basement who decided to write this letter. Um, this does check out to apparently be true, um, and it's obviously coming from somebody who's very upset with the current uh, the current rules out there. So let me um, let me go out here and uh, pull up my uh, my article, and here is the letter that I'm talking about. It is headlined, Shooter Statement 001, Perception is Reality, and NSW, Naval Special Warfare, for the rest of this chat, is blind. So, <clears throat> really quick, it says Shooter Statement at the top. Shooter Statement is something that somebody would do after every combat, anybody who's involved in a, a, a tick or a Troops in Combat um, event where there's shooting going on will write a shooter statement, which is their statement of events as they occur because every, uh, every combat incident gets investigated and filed in an official format. So he takes this shooter statement uh, wording and goes ahead and uh, tells us about what's going on over in Naval Special Warfare uh, and get ready for this one. So I'm just going to read the letter. The adage, perception is reality is one that extends beyond the confines of the military and into every facet of our lives. Simply put, this means that our impression of something defines how we see it, regardless of truth. In fact, this becomes our new truth, and whether it's right, wrong, or somewhere in the middle, we adamantly believe it to be so. In an outdated, hierarchical structure like that of the military, this results in one person's perception being everyone else's reality. The statement comes written... This statement comes written in the wake of yet another knee jerk reaction by Naval Special Warfare Group 1's Commodore Brown. By the way, that is the San Diego based uh, warfare group, who witnessed an individual from SEAL Team 3 with grooming standards outside of military regulation, or perhaps the Commodore's perception of them. The penance brought upon by the Commodore was to have an entire collection of individuals shave their heads, even those who had not been directly involved with the incident. This attempt in leadership by the Commodore wasn't one born of empathy or intelligence, but fear. Not only as a desire to elicit a particular response from the men and women under him, but out of fear for being negatively perceived by the next rank up. And while the individual in question likely warranted inquiry from the Commodore, the result contributes to the ongoing perception that senior NSW leaders does not, leadership does not care nor value its people, only themselves. The reason blatant hypocrisy and men who more closely resemble the dictators we've toppled on the battlefield than those to our right and left why is it that in an instant upwards of four, why is it that in an instant upwards of 40 men can be instructed to shave their heads for subjective insubordination in the middle of a stay-at-home order at the direct request of the commodore but platoon level leaders are brought up on charges of hazing for the same punishment why is it that this punishment was executed in a matter of days, but it takes months and years to remove individuals who cannot perform to the minimum standard that is set and agreed upon by the NSW community if they're removed at all. Why is it that staying out of the limelight is constantly preached, yet NSW has official accounts on social media? Why are excuses made for men who exploit NSW's legacy for personal gain like Jocko Willink? Why is Admiral McRaven's book being promoted in official NSW courses? When asked directly offline about such matters, most leaders view grooming standards as trivial and admittedly only care about them to the extent of the person above them. Similarly, they passionately agree that repeated instances of poor performance are grounds for disciplinary action and NEC removal. And NEC is your Naval Enlisted Classification or AKA you're classified as a SEAL. So basically saying removing your SEAL classification and making you just a regular sailor. NSW leadership can continue to assert that grooming standards are directly linked to professionalism, though it's doubtful that any individual could intelligently explain how that's possible outside of the fact that such standards are enforced only out of fear of disciplinary action from the next rank up, or on the contrary, perhaps someone can begin to explain why we reward men who display incompetence in operational positions with roles that inevitably take charge of them. Nevertheless, Actions always speak louder than words in the NSW community and the perception from the ground is unanimous. NSW does not care about its people. Wow. So pretty strong words. Pretty strong words uh, from the person who wrote this letter about Naval Special Warfare and about Commodore Brown and what he's going with. And I want to unpack this a little bit and start out by saying for the longest time... Naval special warfare members had long hair, long sideburns, went unchecked, uh, wore their uniforms, you know, basically correctly. But when we were in the shop or whatever, we could have our sleeves rolled up here and there. We could go deep bloused, even wear shorts and t-shirt around work many times. Um, then when we're on training trips, uh, oftentimes we're in civilian clothes and oftentimes you are not wearing your uniform, uh, to any standard whatsoever, including, uh, you know, relaxed shaving standards and haircut standards and all that. And there actually are waivers for haircuts and shaves and, you know, you name it. And we would get these waivers all the time. No shave waivers. Um, No haircut waivers for certain missions. This was commonplace. Uh, Very common and very officially done and nothing to make a big stink about. Now, what he's saying is in San Diego, the common Commodore spotted somebody from Team Three and hemmed them up for their haircut, and then somehow managed to convince their leadership that everyone there needed to get uh, their head shaved, which is kind of bonkers to me. To be honest, um, I, I'm pretty surprised that that went down like that. Like, what does head shaved mean? I'd like to know the specifics of like, like, like a zero on the buzzer and just shave their head like a boot camp style haircut. I don't know. I, I have questions about that. Um, he makes some good points, and he makes some bad points. For one, I'd like to just really quick comment on what I think about hair and you know beard standards in the military. Um, do I care that you have to have short hair to be a good sailor, soldier, airman, marine? No. Do I think that shaving makes you a better sailor, soldier, airman, or marine? No. Here's what it comes down to for me personally. Um, the standards are clearly presented to you. They, there should be no surprise that you are expected to shave and get a haircut. You're taught that from day one. So when you don't do it, you're just ignoring the rules. You're ignoring the rules. That's the only part of this that matters to me It's like, you know what the rules are. You choose to ignore the rules, which are part of the contract that you agreed to because you think that you don't have to do it. <clears throat> and And that's just kind of a slap in the face to all the people out there who are like, hey, I know what I got myself into. I know what I signed up for. It's the military. I knew from the day day I was a young boy or girl that the military has haircut rules. So, you know, then you get in and you're like, nah, I'm just not gonna follow these. That's the only part of this that really, the only part of haircut and, you know, shave and all that stuff that really matters to me is they're not coming out of nowhere. They're part of the agreement that you signed. You said you were gonna do it and then you didn't. That's the only. I mean, what I think they should do, is change the standards? Like they should, you know, relax the standards a little bit across the military. In my opinion, um, the haircut, shave thing, it's not making anybody a better sailor, soldier, airman, or marine. Uh, if anything, it just gives you a baseline to go. At least that person is taking charge of their life and making sure that their affairs are in order, starting with that pre- presentation. Um, perception is reality. If you're like he says in his article, if you're perceived to at least have a good haircut and shave, maybe that means you're doing everything else right too. But if you're showing up with long hair and no shave every day, like you just woke up from a four-day bender, uh, maybe that shows that maybe some other stuff in your career is off track too. Maybe you're not getting your quals. Maybe you're not doing the best job. I think that's the important takeaway for the haircut and shave thing. Not like having a high and tight haircut makes you a great Marine. It just means that at least you're following what you're supposed to be doing. And it implies this idea that you might be doing other stuff well too, and vice versa. Um, I remember... When I made E6 in the the Navy, first-class petty officer, we had a first-class petty officer leadership course with our command master chief, and on the third or fourth day, he took the six or seven of us who had made E6 to the Navy exchange, had us sit outside on North Island, if you guys know what I'm talking about, by the food court in a little outside seating area, and we couldn't leave until every single one of us went up to some random person and corrected a uniform infraction, and I was like, are you serious, dude? Are you telling me this is the best way we could be spending our time? When you make E6, what you should do is leave work, go to the food court and correct uniform infractions. Is that the best use of our time? Is that what you want to impart upon us? To remind us that we have to defriend all of our buddies who are now just E5s to avoid fraternization and then go leave work, leave work, to the Navy exchange to correct uniform infractions. So he, he addresses this here too. He addresses this in this article. Now I don't agree with everything he says in this article by a long shot, but I, I mean, a lot of it, I disagree with making 40 people shave their heads. I a hundred percent disagree with that. He makes a good point in here about how he says people who don't do their job, who don't do their actual job or who suck at it, get promoted. The military promotes people out of their current job to a leadership position if they suck at their job. That happens all... You guys know that happens. You know that happens. Hit me up in the comments if you know that that happens. They take people who can't do their actual job and promote them or give them some kind of like, you're going to manage this program, this easy thing to do, and you're going to be in charge of all these people because you can't actually do your job, so we'll just put you in charge. And hopefully the people who are doing a job, just keep doing a good job. We'll just count on them to keep doing a good job. We'll, you know, reward them with some rank eventually. Maybe if it just so happens to happen. Um, and that, that's true. That's true. That happens all the time. It's now I will, I will add to be critical of this guy, <clears throat> this stuff about calling out Jocko and Admiral McRaven, who I just taught, who I just praised last week. Um, for doing a good job representing the community and sharing lessons learned, you know, that's, those are the names that are currently out there. But military members, including special forces, who then retire, okay, these guys are both retired, going out and writing books and giving speeches, it dates back to the beginning of time. If you guys want a great read, check out Smedley Butler's war is a racket. Okay. General Smedley Butler, World War I talking about how war is just a money-making machine. The industrial military complex. Okay. The military industrial complex. Give that a read. A scathing report on the military's use of war to make profits. And that's from a general in World War I. Dick Couch. The only easy day was yesterday, I believe, was his book. Writing about the Navy SEALs in the 90s. I read that book. When I was a Teenager, I want to be a Navy SEAL. I was like, I'm going to go be a Navy SEAL, and you know, I just g- changed my outlook. And I didn't end up going to do that or trying to do that. And he was in the teams, and he wrote that book. And this, this is all. This is for for as long as t- as there's been special forces, there's been people writing books and telling stories. And those stories are critical. It's obvious when somebody's doing things with good intentions to help, and when bad intentions to hurt or self promote. Like uh, who's the guy who killed Bin Laden? Rob. Garnett, no, not Rob Garnett. I'm sorry, I, Rob Garnett. Somebody else. I did not mean to use that name, but his name is Rob O'Neill. Rob O'Neill, um, Rob O'Neill, who is widely known as being like the abrasive, rough personality Navy SEAL who's taking the credit for shooting Bin Laden. And there's a lot of people within the community who are very annoyed by that. And he made that whole stink on the airlines about not wearing a mask. And that might be a better example of somebody who's kind of taken the name taking the title of SEAL and using it as like a, a, a cash grab. Um, and there's, I mean, not household names, but dozens and dozens of examples of SEALs who are out there just giving public speeches and being motivators and all this stuff. And they're using that SEAL title for that. That is happening. I think using Jocko and Admiral McRaven as examples are this person expressing their dissatisfaction with leadership. They seem to have a little chip on their shoulder that they're mad about their, at their commanders. Um, I, I would encourage them to go look around and say, well, he does acknowledge that maybe that person needed to be, you know, corrected, but not the whole rest of the platoon. I, I would assume this is like not, it's not every SEAL at SEAL Team 3, but I'm sure it maybe it's platoon and sister platoon or something like that. Um, but he's, he go, he says he compares his leader's closer to the dictators they've toppled on the battlefield. And that could not be further from the truth. Are you, are you trying to tell me that you believe that Admiral McRaven and Jocko and the Commodore Brown are more like Saddam Hussein? That's like saying Donald Trump is Hitler. Okay. It's just not, it's just not true. It is hyperbole. It is extremely exaggerated to say that Admiral McRaven is like Saddam Hussein or Osama bin Laden or something like that. And Jocko and Commodore Brown are more like dictators. Uh, I'm No, no. And now let me tell you where I really, hang on, Rachel in the chat says, when it comes to promotion, is it one person who decides on who gets promoted or is it a committee that approves the promotion? Sounds like there needs to be some auditing and approval process. Uh, Rachel, I'll address Navy promotion in general on another video but it, it's supposed to be objectively based on your records uh, and your and your and you know, how your service record looks, basically. Um, and for enlisted, uh, te- there's a big part of that that involves a testing process. But is there subjective stuff to that? Absolutely. Justin says somebody needed to get that bullet point 40 head shaved. Uh, yeah, could you imagine? It'd be like um, uh, maintain this haircut standard for 40 sailors uh, personally, personally oversaw, haircut standards for 40 sailors um in improving mission readiness by 100%. That would be the bullet point. So um let me let me just now be tell you guys why where this whole letter falls apart, okay? Talking about Commodore Brown being like a dictator. Let me tell you where this falls apart, okay? A couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, naval special warfare starts falling apart internally. Massive reports of drug abuse out of the East Coast. Cocaine abuse. The SEAL who killed Logan Melgar that we talked about last week. Eddie Gallagher. High profile trial. President gets involved, relieves the Commodore, relieves the Secretary of the Navy. NCIS is in trouble. And, and and other and, and other stories too. There's a current one taking place. It's, it hasn't really hit the news yet, but coming out of SEAL Team Seven uh, from you know 2018. That is, it's not private information. This is ongoing stuff, and I'll cover it once there's some so solid information to cover. I sat in on a speech where the Commodore said, "Naval, the legacy of naval special warfare is getting destroyed." by these things compounding one after the next after the next and the public prospect perspe- perception the public perception of Navy SEALs is becoming really bad really bad and what they said then was they're going there was going to be a massive shift in culture they put it out there was a big speech a, a speech went viral on on the internet on YouTube and Facebook of the Navy SEAL Chief of Navy SEALs giving a speech about out on the East Coast, about how the drug abuse and everything's got to stop and the culture's being destroyed and the reputation's being destroyed. And and this stems from that. This is the ongoing, see, we already forgot. We already forgot about that, right? Because we don't, headline news, headline news, headline news, 10 second attention span. We already forgot that a couple of years ago, the whole legacy of Naval Special Warfare was on the line because of all of these negative incidents and people going out there and becoming like famous, you know, badass SEALs talking about like all, you know, for-profit and all this stuff, giving speeches on their, on their service. Um, and this crackdown was made. So it sounds to me, like the Commodore might've just been acting in accordance with this policy crackdown. that was very publicly stated that it was going to happen. And maybe this wasn't some kind of like, I mean, I don't agree with making 40 people shave their heads, but the idea that there's not a problem with people not following regulations and being on point with that kind of stuff. That's not true. There's a problem with that. There's a problem for sure. 100%. There's a problem. Um, you don't got to be in the community to see it. It's the it's the known reputation. A pair of gators, some long flowing hair, tattoos, partying. That's a the Navy SEAL stereotype, okay? I think people like Admiral McRaven and Jocko do a great job representing what the SEALs are. Um, there's a lot of people out there doing a way worse job that could have been called out. I find it interesting that those are the two names he chose to use. Uh, so I wonder who wrote this letter. And I wonder where their motivation really comes from. Obviously they're upset. They go on to say NSW does not care about its people. I a hundred percent disagree. Even as a tech, NSW cared about me. The Navy SEAL foundation was accessible to me. Leadership cared about us to an ex- I mean, mission first, sailor always is what they say. Mission first, sailor always, NSW lived it. That's my take on it. Okay. Um, And he's obviously upset of some SEALs being maybe out of shape, overweight, uh, something like that. I don't know what the standard he's talking about is, but there's definitely that. There's some SEALs out of weight, out of weight limits, um, out of shape. Uh, It's not common, but it happens. And maybe he's upset about that. Uh, But I've seen people called out, like in the middle of a mission. Um, uh Uh-oh, we've got a problem here. The stream looks like, I've got a problem with the live stream. I don't know if you guys can hear me. Um... If you can, uh, I'm seeing on my screen here some problems with the live stream. Luckily we're almost done here. Anyway, <clears throat> what I'm going to do is, uh, I'm going to leave you guys with some closing thoughts here if I can, before the internet cuts out on me. Um, I have a feeling it's a time of day problem. So what I'll say is, uh, let me know what you guys think about this in the comments down below, um, about this letter. I apologize for stream quality today. If you're listening on the podcast, the YouTube stream has given me some issues, um, Thank you for watching the show. Uh, let me know what you think about this. I, I did my best. I hope you guys heard that last part about I thought NSW took care of me as a tech. NSW takes care of its people. Mission first, sailor always, just because, you know, things aren't going your way. There's definitely a problem with haircut and grooming standards. I've seen seals get called out for being out of, you know, out of shape, all this stuff. Um, so this letter was interesting. It's available on Reddit. I'll post it into the Discord. If you guys aren't in the Discord, I'm going to post this letter into the Discord. Uh, go find us on there. There's a great chat going. If you guys haven't had a chance to check out show.com to see what kind of merch we've got, if you guys haven't had a chance to go to Patreon and check that out, I encourage you to go check out the Patreon. Um, find me on all social medias at the Skeletalbutt Show. And I look forward to talking to you guys really soon. Again, sorry about the stream today, changing the time, changing stuff around. Tomorrow I'll be back. Same skeletalbutt place, same skeletalbutt time as normal. Uh, I look forward to talking to you then. Out for now.